This is Chicago's College Tailgate. Tailgate. Shay Norman and Tyler Ackie. Shay and Tyler on ESPN Chicago. Welcome into Chicago's College Tailgate, the Monday recap podcast with you here on the ESPN Chicago app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's all brought to you by Twin Peaks. Tyler Rocky, Shane Norland. We talk college football with you every single Saturday on ESPN 1000 until 11 a.m. And Shay, we had another great week of college football in the books. I know things are a little bit shaky here in Chicago now that the, the professional team is sliding down the ranks. We're going to do a little bit of a... Uh, quarterbacks that that are worth watching for the Bears, all right? Because it, we are at that point, I think. Uh, both you and I are, are hopping off the, the Justin Fields train. I'm out. And we are starting to look forward, especially with two draft picks in 2024. We're starting to look forward to that next draft. Um, a lot of, lot of interesting stuff taking place. We had Colorado, Colorado State in maybe the game of the year. I mean, we didn't think that uh, the TCU-Colorado game could be topped from this year in week one, but we may have done it in week three with what we saw from Colorado and Colorado State. Also, Alabama um, didn't win, but slid down the polls after their shaky performance against South Florida. So um, let's start with Alabama because that is maybe the most concerning Alabama game we've seen in how long? Like, that is more concerning to me than some of the losses we've seen from Alabama in recent years. Yeah, way worse the USF game, like this is not a, me overstating anything. Going into USF and being tied at three at halftime and into the third quarter and into the fourth quarter and like having a legitimate chance late, if not for a really bad interception when USF was driving the ball to genuinely like have this game be tied and potentially lose a game on the road to USF is significantly worse than losing at home to Texas, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Like, when you've got a game where you roll Ty Simpson and Tyler Buckner out, uh, Ty Simpson was okay, but again, it's South Florida. When you're using both of them, and you don't go back to Milrow, and it kind of feels like you've got three quarterbacks who are all shit, I'm very concerned about Bama. Tyler Buckner, two and a half yards an attempt. It's South Florida! Here's what I don't get. I, I don't understand the stubbornness of not wanting to go back to Milrow. Did Nick Saban forget that Jalen Milrow actually had a lead in that Texas game? Alabama barely had a lead in this game against South Florida. And you and I were texting during this game. If that doesn't go to a lightning delay, I think Bama loses the game. USF like, might have won. That was the reset that it felt like Alabama needed in the moment that kind of gave them a, a chance to catch their breath and be like, we can't lose to this team. That was a real, I feel yeah. like, look in the mirror delay for this Alabama team. And even though it was an uninspiring 17-3 to win, if they don't have that delay, I don't think they end up winning. You know what's funny is it looked like they suffered a little bit of what Alabama and Saban specifically used to inflict on other teams. It used to be you don't play Alabama once, you play them twice. The week of the game and the week after the game. You've got to recover. You've got to get back into form because generally speaking, Alabama shell shocks you. You know what it looked like to me in South Florida? Alabama was shell shocked off the Texas loss. Like they could not believe. I think it was a combination of that and also that loss triggering a quarterback change. Yep, exactly. Because they could not believe not only that they lost, but how badly they lost to Texas, how it looked at the end of that game, what Jalen Milrow looked like. And then, you know, in the past, they kept talking about it on the broadcast. Well, when Saban loses a game and then makes a quarterback change, he goes on to win a national title. And I'm like, yeah, but in the past, he doesn't have three quarterbacks that can't fucking play. Like, talk about the fact that Tyler Buckner, this isn't some big-time kid that you brought in as a true freshman and he's waiting in the wings and you got to make a move. And Like, this, you're not putting in Jalen Hurts for Tua here. Mm -hmm. You're putting in a kid who sucked at Notre Dame with an offensive coordinator who brought him over who sucked at Notre Dame. Like, it's just, this isn't the Bama that we used to be so afraid of as college football fans. This isn't the dominant team. And going to USF, like, dude, I, Saturday when we talked on the show, I put the warning flag out. I'm firing the flare. It's dead. Bama's done. And then they go and look like that? They're not getting any confidence back from me. I, I still think they, they're not going to lose the recruit. Like, they just need to be better with the skill positions. 
The, the skill position players are not what they've been at Alabama. So Bama sliding outside the top 10 for the first time since 2015, which coincidentally they did win the national championship that year. This team ain't winning the national championship. They're not even going to make the playoff. They're, they're, forget the playoff. Like, Are they going to be playing in a, in a premier bowl game when it's all said and done? I will say, like, and we were just talking to Adam Abdallah, noted Alabama fan in the hallway, and – I gave him a different opinion than I'm about to give here, but it's just the more that I look at this number, the more I'm a little scared. Like, how is Ole Miss getting seven in Tuscaloosa? It feels way too easy. This like this feels like a Bama bounce-back spot. If Bama's got any pulse in them at all, they probably beat the brakes off of Ole Miss this weekend, and then we're all back. Oh, Bama's back, and we'll find out what happens when they play Texas A&M and LSU. But... That number scares the shit out of me the more I look at it. Yeah, um, I'm still rolling. Like, offensively, Ole Miss and Lane, like, I know that, that Saban dominates his old assistants, but, like, you look at what, what Lane has started to build over at Ole Miss. I mean, it's the complete anti-Saban, right? He has completely embraced NIL, the transfer yeah. portal, literally walking around in the transfer to the SIP sweatshirts. Yeah. Like, that's awesome. And maybe it's just a don't overthink it. Maybe Ole Miss is just better than Bama. And that, like Jackson Dart, not a lot of threats in the secondary that Jackson Dart's going to have to worry about. Brian Branch ain't back there. You don't, like, maybe they are just that much better. I don't know. But boy, does that number scare the fuck out of me, man. The more I look at it, the more I'm like, Saban, listen, here it is. If Saban loses to Lane Kiffin, for a second straight loss in Tuscaloosa, they, done. Then you can stamp it with me. Saban's run at Bama is over. That'll be the damning loss of all of them. Yeah, it, it will be really tough to swallow there. I don't think they're going to be asking questions yet, but there's going to be a little bit of concern there, certainly. All right, let's move on to Colorado, who took down Colorado State in double overtime. But the real story here isn't the game itself. It is the injury that was sustained by Travis Hunter on the hits. And this is kind of something that we've talked about around this Colorado team. Teams get so emotional, so animated, so hyped up for this game that you're going to draw a lot of unsportsmanlikes, unnecessary roughness, late hits, all that stuff. And now we see it come back to bite them because not only are you losing your best offensive player, you're losing your best defensive player because it's the same damn guy. And that, and he's going to be out a couple weeks now. He's going to miss the Oregon game. He's going to miss the USC game. Who knows how much longer he's missing after that as well. But, I mean, you just kind of saw that this is what happens when you're the emotion team, the emotion-driven team every single week. And you have put the X on your back because of everything that's gone on around the program, all the hype around your program. Yep. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but it just so happened that it came to bite you in the ass this time quite frankly you're not just losing your best defensive player you're losing the only defensive player that has a pulse on the roster that defense just went from bad to horrible and man when you've got to play the pac-12 schedule now like you're going to eugene best of luck because that like oregon we're talking about a team probably should have lost texas tech you get the miracle cover and the win there but this is an oregon team that's among the class of the Pac-12 and mm-hmm. the talent a great level, Pac-12. Yeah, the talent level without Travis Hunter in Colorado just taking a match. I'm really interested to see what Shadur Sanders looks like against a legitimate team without Travis Hunter. I'm interested to see what he looks like a legitimate team. Period. Because look, man, like if you want to talk at all about the football game, Colorado State is one of the worst programs in America, and they went in there and they had a lead late in the fourth quarter. And they very easily could have won that game. I mean, forget the fourth quarter. They were dominating most of that game. They were in control of most of that game, Colorado State. And that's a Colorado State. Like, and anybody that wants to go, well, it's a rivalry game, throw the record out the window. It's not a fucking rivalry. Stop it. Stop. They play in the same state. It's not mm-hmm. it, like they're on different levels. But Colorado State, among the worst programs in America, like bottom 15 year in, year out. To walk in and dominate most of that game. Granted, Travis Hunter didn't play. You might get 50-pieced by Oregon. And then the balloon's going to pop a little bit. Because I'm still seeing, like, we'll get into the quarterback rankings. I'm still seeing Shadur Sanders' number one pick in the 2024 draft. He's played no one. Not only has he played no one, but he plays in such a quarterback-friendly system as well. Like, we've talked about this before, too. Like, Sean Lewis knows how to make chicken soup out of chicken shit. Like, 
it is unbelievable what he has done with the lowest-rung quarterbacks. And I'm not saying Shador Sanders is a low-rung quarterback. He's, he's not. a good quarterback. No, he's, he's but, probably a first-round guy in 2025, I think. But he's not this number-one pick type that people are hyping him up to be in a class that also features Caleb Williams and Drake May and, and Quinn Ewers. Like He's not in that stratosphere yet. He plays in one of the most quarterback-friendly systems in all of the sport right now. A quarterback-friendly system that has made JUCO guys look like superstars. Yeah, and frankly, if his name were Shadur Smith, we wouldn't be talking about him as a number one pick. Yep. Maybe that's unfair by me. I don't think it is. Unless he was Emmett Smith's kid. All right. <laughs> Maybe, but like the, the, the idea that he's passed over uh, even Bo Nix is crazy to me. Bo, and I don't like Bo Nix, but this idea that suddenly you have a, a, a top-tier prospect because he beat a TCU team I don't care about in a very weird environment. He beat... Uh, did Nebraska, and then you, you, it takes double overtime to come back and beat one of the worst teams in America. Like, I think as the season goes on, you're going to see some of the fatigue of playing in a Power 5 conference and playing a Power 5 schedule add onto this team. That offensive line is awful. You're going to see the fatigue get onto them. I think you'll see the fatigue get onto Dion a little bit. By the way, on the topic of Colorado, how about Dion saying Shiloh Sanders moved up the rankings yeah. among his kids? <laughs> Where did, what are you talking about? That, I, that is one of the most hilarious things that's come out of the entire Dion experience is the ranking of the kids. Didn't he like he ranked his kids for like a birthday post for one of his kids? Yeah, and he's like, "Oh, you're still like number three or whatever in my my kid power rankings." To go, Shiloh moved up the rankings. You know it, and all of you out there saying you love your kids the same. No, you don't. I'm like, that's insane. Right or wrong in that spot, Dion. Um, I think it, I think he's right. There is a, a power ranking of kids. How, how, you're one of how many? If two, were you were you the favorite or the least favorite? No disrespect. <laughs> I'm number one. No, no, dis, no disrespect. I know I'm number one. I'm one of three, and I know I'm number one because I'm the only one that's local. So like, my parents had to move last summer. Guess who was there to help with the move? <laughs> Me. <laughs> you know, Guess my, who was stuck in, in Seattle not sitting on his ass? My brother. I used to ask my grandma this, bless her soul, when she was alive. I, I'd ask her which grand... She had something like 14 grandkids. And I'd go, Grandma, which grandkid do you love the most? And she, Give me your Monday power rankings. Right. Put me at the top. Tell me I'm one. And she, like knowing she can't do that, would just tell me whoever is the sickest or the furthest away, that's the one that I love the most. <laughs> Which always felt like cheating. But you know what? Whatever. Were you the sickest or the furthest away? Never. I was always the closest and the healthiest. <laughs> I was loved the least. You were like licking uh, bus poles trying to trying to get some sort of illness probably. <laughs> I need my grandma to love me. Get me into a surgery right now. I did. I used to get strep throat. I probably elected to get my tonsils out just so that I could be loved by my grandmother more. Jeez. I needed to be the sickest. This Dion thing, I, my jaw dropped when I saw him say it because I hadn't seen the birth, the birthday, the kid ranking mm -hmm. until I saw this interview. And I'm just thinking about, like, what if you were that high profile, like Shiloh and Shooter Sanders, and your dad is out there going, now I love this one more because you got the pick. Didn't, but like the one, the guy who, or the kid who's number one, isn't it Dion Jr.? I'm trying. I, I got to pull up what the uh, power rankings were. But how I, is Shadur not the top pick? I, if you're drafting your kids, Shadur Sanders gets picked first, right? Let's I feel see. like Dion loves Travis Hunter like a son. Is Travis Hunter <laughs> is Tra one? Travis Hunter ahead of Shiloh until he got injured. Well, that would make him the the, the sickest. <laughs> Shiloh's really yeah. There we go. <laughs> Shiloh's really moving up the ranks now. All right. Let's see. I'm trying to find out what the the power rankings really were. Um... Dion Jr., and he also has a daughter as well. Um, yeah, he recently ranked his kids in a recent social media post. Happy birthday to my favorite son, Dion Sanders Jr. So proud of you. You're number one on the kid on the rankings currently. It goes Dion Jr., Shalomi, Shadur, and Shiloh. So Shiloh was last. And he goes out there and, and uh, balls out against Colorado State. So he moved up. So... What does that mean? Where where does the current power ranking sit? I hope the the we Boulder need, media is asking him <laughs> where what like what's the current rundown now? We need an updated uh Oh my god, Shiloh was fifth. 
Oh, he's got a fifth kid? Deandra, too. He, does he have two daughters? What's going on here? You're the number one son and the number one on the kids' rankings currently. That's incredible from Dion. I was wondering, it's good he ranks them all together. I was wondering if that's like the Academy Awards and you rank num- top daughter and top son separately. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> most outstanding do- uh, son, most outstanding daughter, and you get them awards. That is fantastic. That is amazing. All right. Um, let's get into, uh, a couple of other games that I want to just kind of run through and then we'll get into some quarterback stuff from the week. Georgia squeaking past South Carolina. This was a game that South Carolina was in control of in the first half. And then Georgia just kind of put the clamps down defensively in the second half, pitched a shutout for the final, uh, 30 minutes there. And the offense, I wouldn't say came alive, but did just enough, but Georgia's the number one team in the country, but for you right now, are they the best team in the country? No. And can we just big picture this a little bit? Brian Windhorst voice. Oh, we're we're pointing fingers here. Is the the SEC bad? Is the SEC bad? Is it is they're bad? Is it too early to ask the question? Is the SEC bad? You've lost to Texas. They're not good. The non-conference record, it's not good. You've got Georgia at home struggling to put away a South Carolina team that looks to have none of the magic. 27-point line. Of a year ago. Yeah, you're a 27-point favorite, and it takes a fourth-quarter comeback to win. You've got Alabama on the road at USF looking like an FCS team or a group of five team. Uh, Mizzou, God bless them. Got the non-con power, power win, 30-27 to 27 on a last-second record kick. 61-yard bomb. From Mizzou to beat Kansas State. But otherwise, like A&M went to Miami and lost. We know LSU lost to Florida State. We know Bama lost to Texas. This Tennessee is, losing was a bad look for the conference. Tennessee, like, one of the I few, know it was a, a, an intra-conference game, but... One of the few highly touted teams in this conference goes to the Swamp. Frankly, not competitive in that game. Mm-hmm. You've, you've got Georgia looking the way they look. Like, is this just, they're not, this isn't the old SEC. This is a very entertaining year for college football, I think, because the Pac-12 looks to be a beast, and the SEC doesn't look like the SEC at all. I have a question for you. Do you think we will see a two-loss team this year in the playoff? Uh, no, because I think we'll only get one SEC team. And if it's a two-loss SEC champion, maybe we get two Pac-12 teams. It might be the way it's trending. But even, like, eventually these Pac-12 teams are going to start playing each other. Here's the other problem, too. Yet yeah, One, the Pac-12 is going to cannibalize. And two, like, for the playoff, the Big Ten also looks like shit. I, Michigan looks awful. Ohio man. State I, bounced back. Ohio State looked good against Western Kentucky. We'll see what happens. They play Notre Dame. Michigan, I, I, listen, I'm ready to hit the button a little bit on the things don't look right. Granted, you haven't had your head coach, but they've played three nobodies. They can't run the ball. J.J. Turnover is back. Mm-hmm. Two horrible interceptions against Bowling Green on Saturday. Outside of Penn State, the Big Ten, not impressive. The SEC, not impressive. You, maybe we do get a two-loss team. Hey, because listen, all Florida State wasn't good either stink. this past week either. Yeah, Florida State goes to BC in a monsoon and barely squeaks out a win there. And it's not like, oh, well, it was just a monsoon, so, you know, whatever. No, Florida State had a convincing and commanding lead and just let somehow let BC get back in that game. Mm-hmm. And even, like, it started with, with shaky conditions, but by the end of the game, everything was fine. Like, yeah. And that was when BC made its move. So, like, Florida State even having a little shaky performance against one of the shittiest teams in the entire nation. Like, there's a lot of of questions, and I do think we finally see a two-loss team in the college football playoff this year. Just because, And I said at the beginning of the season, too, I even said there's a possibility we see two yeah. because it could be so up in the air all season long. Just the nature of what this season has been, it, it would not shock me if we get multiple two lost teams in, I would say we're definitely getting one because the Pac-12 is going to start to play them themselves. It's true. It'll be interesting. Like the long thing for me, and you asked Georgia, do I think they're the number one team? I don't. I don't. But here's the, it, here's but the thing. Goes, I don't know who is. Like each team has its question marks right. right now. I'm going to put you on the spot. Who is the number one team? Is it Texas? It's not Texas. Because it, they looked bad against Wyoming? And they didn't look great against Rice either. 
But it, again, I go back to I still think and it, if like Bama is as bad, how bad as we're, do we think Bama is? Right, right. Like like it's a good win. I'm not taking away the the win, but like how good is it? I still think it's not as good as we thought it was preseason. I still think the Rice game, you're not showing a lot because you don't want to put things on tape mm-hmm. for Saban when you go to Tuscaloosa. And the Wyoming game just feels like, man, you went slayed the dragon on the road. Now you come home, kind of a clear hangover spot. They still won the game. Now we'll see as they get enter Big 12 play where they really are. But like we did this on Saturday, who's good? Who are you putting the capital G good next to? Georgia's still in the conversation. I don't think they're a clear number one, but they're still in the conversation. Michigan might not be good. They're still in the conversation because they mm-hmm. haven't lost. 3-0, and you've taken care of business. Now you get your coach back. But there are some serious red flags, particularly the turnovers and the inability to run the ball against nobodies. Texas, capital G, good. Florida State, capital G, good. USC, capital G. Penn State? Can I offer you another team? How about Washington. Oh, yeah. Washington's a wagon. So, um, Those receivers are some of the best receivers yeah, I've ever it's, seen. It's a, I mean, they've got multiple All-American candidates Roma on that Dunze, team. you are a Chicago Bear. So Bill Connolly did a, a little SPP. He does a lot of the S&P Plus stuff for ESPN.com, and he put out a piece uh, yesterday, and it was, if you remove the preseason projections as a part of the formula for calculating and ranking these teams, Washington is the number one team in the country in S&P Plus followed by Ohio State, UCLA, Notre Dame, and Michigan. So, listen, I don't understand really how Ohio State's a part of that mix there. Um, And and even, like, UCLA, Notre Dame, I could see being in the top five, um, and and Michigan. But Washington, I think, has been the most impressive team we've seen so far in the first three weeks. Like, not only are they handling business, they're doing it against some solid competition. Like, sure, you haven't played all Power Five teams, but, like, you played Boise State, right? Boise it's a State good team has, in the Mountain some, West. has some talent on it. They, that is a semblance of a football team. It might even be the best team you've played so far this year. Sorry to say that. No, it's probably but, true. Like Washington has run these teams off the field. Michael Penix is putting up g- total game stats in a half. Like You've got a Heisman candidate. You've got everything working right now. You've got the offense. You've got a couple of horses on defense. Washington might be the team. I mean, think too, and I know a lot of people don't know or care about this in particular, but when you watch the betting lines, you can kind of get an eye for what people who have influence and watch a lot of this stuff and consume a lot of this and are really smart and respected in the circles. You get an idea of what they think. You watch that Washington-Michigan state line, and it it's like out to 17 at some places. You feel like Washington's going to blast them. No head coach. That thing closed 14 and a half. Yeah. That money came in on Michigan State in huge amounts. And it's not Frank and Joliet betting over a beer at the bar. Mm-hmm. It's like respected it's people. $1,000 bets. It's yes. respected people moving that number down to 14 and a half. And then Washington went on that field and boat raced them. Mm-hmm. That wasn't ever even close to competitive. The instant that game kicked off, you knew Washington was going to handle them. And that's the type of thing you see. Like, I don't care what Big Ten team it is. You could go to New Jersey and play the worst Rutgers team that's ever existed. You could go play Nebraska and Lincoln, which has been a death trap for a lot of good teams. You could go play whoever. You go west to east, play a road game in a Big Ten environment, and you win 41-7. to I'm moving you up the ranks a little bit. Yeah. Capital G good. This was the thing that I found interesting, too. And, and again, the AP poll is not everything, but they were stagnant in the AP poll. They are still the eighth best team in America. When we see the graphic for their next game, there's going to be a number eight next to Washington. They are far from the eighth best team in the country right now. Do you think that that has anything to do with the fact that the one year we saw them be really good and win a Pac-12 and go to a playoff, they just got fucking killed? Do you, but like, this do, team's people, different. This team I, I is different. I agree with you. I agree with you. But, like, do you think that that weighs in at all to the way people approach this? But then, Kalen DeBoer is clearly a different guy. Like, this is a very different Washington team. Well, here's team. how I would respond to that. Penn State's never been to a playoff. USC's never been to a playoff. But those are brands. Like, those are the brands people believe in. Washington, brand, but it's not on the level of Penn State or USC. But Penn State, like, Penn State... Like Washington is is just on par with Penn State in the last twenty years, 
Maybe, maybe 15 years. It just it feels like there's some like voters look at Washington. One, I don't think they're watching the games. Like, if you got to pick one West Coast game, are you going to watch Michael Penix at Washington or are you going to watch Caleb Williams? Yeah. Like, one, I don't think people are watching all the games. And two, but even I if just, you're just scoreboard watching, this, like, you have to at least be scoreboard watching. And when you see 41 to 7, that says something. But then you just drop Michigan State off a cliff and go, oh, they, play, they played fucking no one, no head coach. The team's a disaster. What are you going to do? Move, like, I think that they should be moved up because I have respect for a team that goes east and beats a Big Ten team in, in an environment like that in the way that they won, especially when you smoked out people who bet significant money on Michigan State right before kick. Yeah, I'm interested. I think Washington's really good. But the the eight, I just wonder if it's because of the brand. You look at the teams ahead of them, like USC, Penn State, Ohio State, Florida State, Texas, Michigan, and Georgia, either two-time defending champion mm-hmm. or seven teams that are all in the – six teams that are all in the top ten in revenue. Like, it's – I just feel like the brand puts those teams ahead of Washington, whether it's deserved or not. Okay, so who would you put in – as your number one team right now. If you were filling out a ballot, who's your number one team? I, I'm not going to overreact to what happened in Boston. I would probably still go Florida State because I think they still have the best win of the year. Yeah. And then I'd put Texas behind them because I think Texas has the second best win of the year. And then I'd put Georgia on a respect basis, and then I'd go Michigan fourth. Mm-hmm. And it's a very tentative fourth. And this isn't just because I went to state and I'm doing Sparty talk. This is Michigan looks like shit. And things better get right when Harbaugh comes back because you can't run the ball on Bowling Green and your quarterback who swore all offseason he wasn't going to have those shitty turnovers anymore is a turnover machine against Bowling Green fumbling on the goal line against East Carolina. They, they just they don't look good through three weeks. So I drop them to fourth, and it's a very tentative fourth. All right, let's move on here to some of the other games that I just want to briefly touch on here. Um, LSU absolutely crushing Mississippi State. It feels like after that terrible second half they played against Florida State, they've gotten back on track. The Jaden Daniels to Malik Neighbors connection, I think Neighbors was like 9 for 180 and two touchdowns at halftime. Or not even at halftime, with like six minutes to go in the half. It was crazy. It was all-time stuff from Malik Neighbors. Jaden Daniels was hyper-efficient in that game, I believe. He set the LSU record for uh, best completion percentage in a game. Yep. He was on target. And, I mean, that looks like the LSU team that both you and I were very high on and thought would be a college football playoff team in the beginning of the season. Pretty good time to do it, too, because it was right around the time when people were starting to talk about this LSU team is overrated, not having a passing game anybody cares about. You go get 30 or 34 out of Jalen Jaden Daniels. And it's not like he was checking down. You're getting 11 yards an attempt. You're getting deep balls all over the field. Deep balls on fourth down, too. Fourth and 17 touchdown. How about that? Like, I'm looking at the TV and see fourth and seven, whatever it was. I'm seeing they're going for it on fourth and long. And you're kind of in like a no man's land field goal territory. But you just uncork a deep ball to Malik Neighbors. Touchdown, dagger, Mississippi State, you know, in that moment is dead. But to go out and have a game like that when everybody's asking questions about your pass attack and you just beat Mississippi State to death with it, I'm in a place now where I feel a lot better about LSU. I have a question for you. Do you think LSU is the best team in the SEC? From what I've seen so far, yes, I would. Well... How much does it factor that they lost to Florida State and Georgia's unbeaten? Well, I think Florida State's the best team in the ACC. I think Florida State's a playoff team. I think Florida State, it, we're going to see them in the national title game at this point. So, listen, that they played an uncompetitive half against Florida State. They won the first half, and I know that counts for absolutely nothing unless you bet their 1-H money line there. Yep. It counts for nothing, but they have just played one uncompetitive half of football all year. And it was the first half of the season in... One of those weird kind of neutral site kickoff games. You don't have a preseason in college football. You come right out of camp, and you get a test on the other side against maybe the best team in the country. Yeah. All right, I have another question about Florida State. Now that we're just on the topic of these two teams. Have you looked at the look-ahead line this weekend for one of the best games on the board? Florida State at Clemson. Clemson. What do you think the spread would be? We're we're putting on our Bill Simmons hat. We're guessing lines here. I want you to guess it. I know it. I want you to guess it. What I did a quick peruse. I didn't. Be? I don't remember this line though. Um, 
I would guess it is Florida State three and a half. Two. Two. Why? This is another spot where I maybe just want to hit the button on Clemson and not even watch the game. And Jesus take the yeah, wheel. It's just like, <laughs> fuck it. Uh, this is so odd. There's no reason this should be close. Why is it two? Why is it not getting blasted? I may just place the Clemson bet, not watch the game, take my fucking hands off of this thing. You're watching the game. Of course I'm watching, watching the, game. the game. It's one of the best games on the screen this weekend. There, and just, there's a lot of great games on the screen this weekend. I had to ask because I looked at it and I'm like, Clemson fucking sucks. What are we doing with two points? And then I'm thinking more about it and I'm like, you know, maybe you just bet Clemson and ride it. Because I don't know what else you do with that. How about this? How I about you just you stay, stay the fuck away? And just enjoy the game? <laughs> yeah. I don't think you can bet Florida maybe State Maybe play in the that total. Spot. Play the total if, you're, if you need a little, if you got a hankering. Yeah, I'd play under, if anything, I think. I would, this is another good question because people are going to ask about what Florida State did with Boston College. How much of that is we have a comfy lead. We know we're going to win this game. Let's not sweat it too much. And it's the thing I think Texas did with Rice. Where you just stop putting shit on tape because you've got Clemson next week. Could be, but like at a certain against a team like BC and even against teams like Rice and 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 stuff like that, you have the game. Like when you still have the game breakers on the field, at a certain point, the scheme doesn't matter a whole heck of a lot when you're going up against the yeah. shit that BC and Rice and Wyoming throw out there. At a certain point, your dudes are just going to make plays. That's fair. And and those guys didn't make plays in some of those games, so. Um, one other team I want to ask you about. Oklahoma ran Tulsa off the field. Yes. All right. Oklahoma in the, the latest rankings uh, check-in at 16th. And I started to take a little look ahead for, for Oklahoma. Toughest game the rest of the way is Texas and the Red River rivalry there. Could we see Oklahoma, if they go out and beat Texas run the table, and find themselves in the college football playoff. You remember, I don't think they're going to beat Texas in the Red River Showdown, but do you remember my Big 12 champion? It was Oklahoma, wasn't it? It was Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Because this, and I thought entering the season, a little bit of disrespect in the ranking. Dylan Gabriel's healthy now. You've got the second year of Venable's defense. I think people looked at Oklahoma going sideways last year and took way too much out of that and then projected it onto this year. You have to keep in mind, when Lincoln Riley went to Los Angeles, he took his luggage. Mm-hmm. He did the Deion Sanders, and he left that cupboard as bare as you could possibly imagine. And then Dylan Gabriel gets hurt early last season, and the wheels just come off. Now you have a healthy quarterback. You've got a Venables defense in its second season. You've got Venables players on the on the roster. They did really well in the transfer portal as well as anybody. Look, I, I think they blast Cincinnati this weekend. I think they're as good as Texas. I don't know who wins the Big 12. The Big 12 also sucks. Yeah, I don't know. This is the problem with the Big 12. One of those two teams is going to be have to have to be undefeated. If they split, you're in trouble in terms of making the playoff. But what if they split and we see some more cannibalization throughout the rest of the country? It depends because... It just if an, if a Big Ten team goes undefeated, they're getting in, and I think the Big Ten's only getting one team, right? Mm-hmm. So if a Big Ten team goes undefeated, that team's getting in. Matter of fact, let's do this: a one-loss Big Ten champion gets in. No, yes, I, th- I think the Big Ten's sending one. So let's assume we live in a world where Texas and Oklahoma split. They both end. Whoever wins the Big Twelve, whatever you want to do with it, that's for you. Doesn't matter which team. Mm-hmm. You have a one-loss Big 12 champion. It's either Texas or Oklahoma. You have a one-loss Big 10 champion. That Big 10 champion, Michigan or Ohio State or Penn State most likely, is getting in. You have a Pac-12 champion who might be undefeated. Does the Pac-12 champion get in this year? I think yes, because the conference has already proven it's incredible. Yes, I think it's not even cl- Like If you have an undefeated Pac-12 champion, you are going to the college football playoff. I think even a one-loss yeah. Pac-12 champion is getting in. This is not given last the- year's given the resume that you'd need to be a one-loss Pac-12 champ. This is not the Pac-12 of years past where a one-loss Pac-12 team gets in or doesn't get in because they suck. Right now, the Pac-12 has eight teams in the top 22 of the AP poll and are a combined 24-0. Now, the problem is if you have multiple losses in the Pac-12. That's how the Big 12 gets in. But regardless, Big 12 champion gets in, yeah? Mm -hmm. Does the ACC get shut out if Florida State loses a game? If Florida State splits with Clemson but wins the ACC, ACC Florida State gets in. Yeah? Yes. 
<laughs> okay, so we have Florida State in and then an SEC champion. I'm sorry, you're not shutting out the SEC. So mm-hmm. as long as that's the way it happens, very much apologies to the Big 12. You're not getting it. Yeah, I mean, you're probably right in that estimation. Like, like the SEC and the Big 10 are not getting shut out. They just aren't. And a lot of it has to do with pedigree, too, which is the, the part that I think sucks about college sports sometimes. But uh, you, you look at what the Big 12, like, maybe Texas doesn't have to go undefeated. Maybe Texas. Because they're already in the top four right now. Because and you have they're a win fucking against Texas Bama. because yeah. they won at Tuscaloosa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe Texas doesn't have to be the undefeated Big 12, but that's the only one. So it would have to be Texas loses the Red River Showdown and then wins the Big 12 title game. Or what if they lose the Big 12 title game? They're out. You think they're out if they they lose the Big 12 title? Yeah, I don't think this is a TCU thing where the Pac-12 title is a Utah team nobody gives a shit about, so you just buy. Or like, I don't think that this is a TCU type of season where that happens. I just don't. I I feel like we'd see the one-loss SEC. You have a legitimate ACC team for the first time in three years. I just, the Big 12 feels like the odd man out so far. Okay. Um... Oh, two Heisman tickets I want to run by you, too. All right. Both Jaden Daniels and Dylan Gabriel are currently 25 to 1. Can I interest you in either one of those guys? Not really. Jaden Daniels, I I still like against really good teams. I wonder how much they rely on the passing attack. Dylan Gabriel's. I think that one's. I was going to bring that one. I I initially only had Gabriel that I was going to bring to your attention, but then I was looking at the odds. And they were both there, so I was like, all right, I'll throw Jaden Daniels' name. But G- Gabriel was the impetus for this. Given the schedule that he has the rest of the year, like if he balls out in the Red River game, he, he maybe doesn't even have to win it. But if he throws for like 450 yards in that game and just puts on an absolute show, he's got an 11-1 yeah. to 1 touchdown to interception right now. Like That could be one that gives you a little bit of value as we sit here heading into week four. It's interesting. It's the one that I would look at. The most for sure. The the one I still want to want to ask you, and I know the 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 shine has come off here a little bit, but it's a non quarterback position. Mm-hmm. What about Keon Coleman? No. The last two weeks haven't really been good enough, but you still have the three touchdown performance against LSU. Probably going to be a high volume usage, high target guy as they move forward. No, because this is the same. I forget who we had this conversation about earlier. It's the same thing. If it's going to be up for someone, it's going to Jordan Travis. And we maybe even had this conversation about Keon Coleman when we were having this discussion. Like, you might have to have, he'd have to have like a three touchdown game at Clemson and then intersperse some multi touchdown games elsewhere and then another multi touchdown. And Travis's numbers can't look great for the year. It has to be Mac Jones to Devontae Smith, where Mac Jones just looks like an average guy. Average, I guess, is throwing for 5,000 yards in college, but whatever. (laughs) And Devonta Smith is just, like, otherworldly. Yes. I think you have to have one of those situations. Coleman has slowed down too much in the last two games to really be And Travis had some steam heading into the year as a Heisman guy. Mac Jones didn't have steam heading into the year as a Heisman guy. Is there any non-quarterback that could contend for the Heisman? Travis Hunter was probably the one. Yeah, but even him, like, I don't. But now he's dead for three weeks. Yeah, I don't think he would um, win. I I was looking at the odds last night, and I think there was one name that actually kind of stuck out to me. But um, let me let me rerun through. I'm trying to remember because, like, the one the trendy one heading into the year was like, oh, Marvin Harrison Jr. But he's not going to win that. I think we we can count him out, Um, even though he did have the big game against Western Kentucky. He did. You know what the the Ohio State Western Kentucky game kind of reminded me of is like those were the vintage. Ohio State blowouts that we saw like oh it's the long crossing pattern down the field and you see just a wide ass open Marvin Harrison Jr. down the field. Yeah, none of these non-quarterbacks really interest me. Like Audric Estime in Notre Dame, I sorry, Sam Hartman's winning. Yeah. If, if it's going to be at that level, Sam Hartman's winning the award. Sam Hartman's fourth in the odds right now. Yeah, he's 10 to 1 right now. We haven't talked enough about Notre Dame today. I, so, I did want to bring like th- we'll do a lot of this on the Saturday show mm-hmm. because it's we should preview a little bit because this That's is the, the biggest the game on the board. Of, well, this right? is slate of the year, too, week four. Yeah, there's a couple days in October, but real I quick, think there's a really good argument that this is the best slate we'll see all year. Before we get into this, all right, my girlfriend, your wife have befriended each other, 
and my girlfriend is putting on some like drink night. All right. This is on Friday. Yep. And am I a bad guy? I asked if she could move it to Saturday. <laughs> am I a bad guy? I haven't briefed you on this yet. <laughs> am I a bad guy? Oh my god. Because it's like all of all of like my other friends, their uh, girlfriends are going to this thing. So it's like, am I a bad guy? I asked her to move it to Saturday. She goes, why? And I said, all-time slate on Saturday. Football on. <laughs> bad guy or no? Because, like, it has no bear. It, it will not influence their world at all, right? If it's Friday versus Saturday. Is it an inconvenience at all? Does no, it make if anything, any difference? I think it may convenience, because I know a couple people couldn't go. I think it may convenience some other people to be able to go. Then you're not a bad guy. But that's, not, that's not the impetus of why I'm asking, though. No, of course not. But if it, just if it were an inconvenience to your girlfriend, you're a bad guy. If it's not an inconvenience to her or to the people who are coming, mm-hmm. like if somebody's not flying in or driving in for this, right? Everyone's in the city. Good. Everyone's yeah, in the good. city. I think you're good. I think you're okay. In the clear. So it's it's not a bad. I'm and not a bad I guy. I hope for that asking. this happens because <laughs> I would love a free green light Saturday night. Yeah, that would be fantastic. <laughs> Originally, I've, I'm going to a show with some friends on Friday night, so I was like, mm-hmm. oh, good. Then my wife will be taken care of. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> Because she's not going to the show. And so now, would this inconvenience you now? No, absolutely not. I don't okay. care. I'm going to a show. My Friday night's taken care of no matter what. Okay. So I'm good. But if you do it on Saturday, then I'm uninterrupted. Ohio State, Notre Dame, Let's. Uh, that sounds great. Finally, NBC's getting their money's worth, too. What a game this is, <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. We will talk about it more on Saturday uh, on, the, on the morning show. Who but- do you feel better about going into that game? I really feel better about Notre Dame. Yeah, I think most people would say that. It's at home too for Notre Dame. Like, this is another one where, and maybe it's you the, sent the, me the, the line on this. The gambler in me is uh, scaring myself out of this, but I actually already placed the bet, so fuck it. Um, <laughs> you look at this line, and you see Notre Dame getting three and a half points at home, and you go, boy, they're putting me on the other side of a field goal. Plus points as a home dog. The three and a half, that's mm-hmm. easy money. I'm taking it. Chair. Go Irish. Mm-hmm. Not so fast. That's a line that looks so fucked up. I don't think there's a world where you could bet Notre Dame. And in fact, I think you have to bet Ohio State. And so I placed the bet already. I'm on the Buckeyes. I, they've looked like shit. I hate Ryan Day. I, I, They've had quarterback I don't know who controversy. the fuck the quarterback is. I don't know anything about this team. I know two things. The Jim Knowles defense looks kind of legit. Granted, you've played no one, but it looks kind of legit. And that line is fucked up. And when I see a line that's that, that scary, that's that nonsensical, that's that like, oh, the home side just feels way too easy, I'm riding the lightning with Ohio State. And I, listen, could be totally wrong, but it feels like that's the right side. We'll talk about it more on Saturday. Yeah. It's just early. That's the side that looks right to me. I, for me, it's like I can't. I don't even know how I'm talking myself. I can't talk myself into Ohio State at this point. I don't buy into anything that they have right now, offensively. Like aside from the Western Kentucky game, it has been dog shit for them. Like not just like bad by Ohio State standards. It has been bad by any standards. Of what they've put together offensively. It's a mess. And again, maybe it's slow start. You go to New Western quarterback Kentucky. And they've used the last three games as preseason games. You maybe. drop a hammer on Western Kentucky. You remind everybody that Marvin Harrison's still alive. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame, they don't have the skill players that I think they can they can battle with this team, really. And, like, I don't know, maybe we get another low-scoring affair. It's just I'm not willing to put my money on Notre Dame right now. I'm just not. I, all of the football reasons, I feel better about Notre Dame. But that quarterback's number, better. That the number makes just, better. That number makes no sense. I think Ohio State still has the edge, even with performance for for the skill guys. But and the other thing too, like I don't know if you care about this. It's something I always like to look at. It's not like the end all be all. It's certainly not a you should bet based on this exclusively. But everybody is betting Notre Dame here. Yeah. That, and, no. That. That is something I do care about, and that is something that scares me, too. 
when I see everybody's betting it and the line is moving against Notre Dame, then I'm even more interested in Ohio but State. But in fairness, we saw that with Nebraska and Colorado, too. And you know what? We were fucking right. <laughs> Jeff Sims is a fucking asshole. But you knew that was part of the equation. You knew that's part of what you were betting on. So, no, you weren't fucking right. You were wrong. I was, too. We were wrong. Guess what? We got our money back this past week. Oregon minus 21. I'm on Laying 16 and three a half. Touched. Look at the fucking sharp sitting across from me. <laughs> quack, quack. No Travis Hunter. Oregon 50 pieces, these losers. All right. Um, let's get into our quarterback conversation because the Bears suck. Justin Fields has sucked so far this year. He's, he's awful. And it is looking more and more like we're going to be, as Bears fans, drafting a quarterback. You've got two picks. And again, we've heard all the nonsense, too, of, oh, like, you can trade up and get the number one pick. Nobody's trading up for the number one pick this year. It ain't getting traded when you've got a generational guy in Caleb Williams. If you want Caleb Williams, you need the worst record in football this year. All right? Will the Bears have the worst record in football? Maybe. They could. I'd lean no if you gave me number one versus the field, but it's certainly in the, in the cards, and I don't think Bears fans thought we would be having those cards dealt to us two weeks into the season. I think more Bears fans would have said we're 2-0 and after two weeks than 0-2. Yeah. Um, but here we are, 0-2, and you're looking at a quarterback. How would you rank the quarterback prospects that are coming out? I think Caleb still won. Yes, no doubt about it for me. But I think I've, we're moving around a little bit now. Because I don't know if Drake May is still too. And you could tell me that... Listen, I heard some people suggesting he may have had a concussion on Saturday <laughs> when he was playing uh, and against Minnesota. There were moments he did not look good. Yeah. But some people were saying he may have had a concussion. So maybe we just write that off. Mm-hmm. Took a hard hit. Maybe he's a little rattled. But right now I'd put Quinn Ewers too. And I know Quinn Ewers has put two iffy games on tape, the Rice game and the Wyoming game, but he's also put that Alabama game on tape. Mm -hmm. And the pedigree is there as like a sort of once-in-a-lifetime type of starred recruit, one of these incredible college recruits. Great prospect. I like Quinn Ewers a lot. Then I would go Drake May. Where does Michael Penix Jr. fit into this conversation? Because I still have the issue of he's fucking 25. Yes. Those usually don't work out. And I don't know what it is, but the lefty thing still fucks with my head. Oh, you watching Tua last night didn't fix you on that? I know. You flipped the camera, right? Like By the way, this is also one of the stupidest things that goes around on social media. The... Oh, this is what Josh Allen would look like if he were lefty. It's <laughs> Make fucking Dan stupid. Marino look normal. Like, it's stupid. Um, but no, the, I think my bigger concern is obviously the age thing. If you were so fucking good, why wouldn't you already be out? Yeah, he's going to be 24 on draft night. Like, I, look. It worked for Burrow. I get it. But was like, Burrow that old? He was, I think, like late 23. Like, the, yeah. it just. But like, it, it feels like the, the, the COVID stuff. Deal. The COVID stuff now is just another wrinkle. It's another year on. It's another year of tread on the tires. Like, like Joe Burrow's twenty six right now, so he would have been twenty two when he got drafted. This kid's going to be twenty four his first NFL game, and he might not even be a starter. That just—it's probably not fair, but that's the only thing that really worries me about Hendon Hooker or Hendon Hooker. Same Michael deal, Michael Penix. Michael Penix. It's the same situation. So I don't know if I'd have Michael Penix fourth. Is Jordan Travis fourth? Um, Where does Shadour Sanders fall in all of this? Honestly, I, I'm I'm still leaning on that he was a he's a part of a great system right now. Where's Bo Nix at? Bo Nix, I would probably go Travis then Bo Nix. Here, here, I still have Drake May as my number two for one reason, and that is the athleticism. Yeah, like Drake May. I think in the modern era of football, you don't have to be a running quarterback, but you got to be able to move. Mobile. You got it. Like. Look at all the other guys these days. Like Josh Allen, well, Josh Allen's a runner. Justin Herbert's not a running quarterback, but he can move. Mahomes. Mahomes is not a running quarterback, but he can move. Even Mac Jones last night moved around a little, a little shifty. Bit. Yeah, like you have to be able to move. And Drake May just does that a lot better than Quinn Ewers does right now. And the other thing, too, is I feel like Drake May has kind of built the team. Like he's thrown to a lot of nobodies. Like I know Josh Downs is in the NFL now but he's thrown to a lot of nobodies. I feel like he's elevated UNC, yeah. and people may look at the record for UNC. 
He ain't playing defense, pal. All right? Yeah. He can't control the defense letting up 40 points. He's also not the head coach. Right. The other thing that's going to burn Drake May, especially in this town, oh, here, here in UNC Chicago. UNC-10. Holy shit. Can you imagine the calls yep. we're going to take on that? Another Carolina kid, eh? And he wears number 10. Hey, what about the Carolina kid, huh? That's like, going to be all we're going to get. It's, it's going to be the same thing as the Justin Fields, Ohio State quarterback. Mm-hmm. By the way, all right, different conversation. C.J. Stroud looked fucking good. Yeah, he looks <laughs> C- He looks like he can play. C.J. Stroud looked fucking sick. Um, I know they got thumped, but yeah. 300-something yards. He has more and what, th- like 250 of them, I think, came in the second half or something like that? He has more 300-yard games than Justin Fields. Yeah, and he's working with a lot less. Like, oh, I just—it's it, honestly, it's not even related to this podcast. I just had to bring it up to you mm-hmm. because watching Red Zone yesterday and thinking about having the first pick in the draft last year and trading it for DJ Moore, and then watching not only CJ Stroud but also Anthony Richardson before he left the game with a concussion. Oh, I had a yep. little bit of an alarm go off. Yep, and Bryce Young plays tonight. So, um, but yeah, no, I would go Drake May two. Uh, Quinn Ewers is my three, and then I would go Travis Bonix. I don't. I'm Shador Sanders is not a part of this conversation for me right now. I agree, the, and I think we'll see Shador Sanders fall out of these conversations as they play real teams. Mm-hmm. You're going to maybe get, not USC, but against Oregon this week, I think it'll. I hope Dion doesn't at. make us eat our words here. I don't want to choke on these words. Oregon is going to fucking flatten them, flatten. This is not going to be a competitive game. No. I'm with you on that. All right. That is going to do it for us here. We will be back on Saturday, 10 to 11 a.m. on ESPN 1000. Thank you to Twin Peaks, who brings you Chicago's College Tailgate, the podcast edition every single week. We're back with you. We'll talk with you this Saturday. Have a great week.